Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Continue to pray God's blessing on you as you continue to worship and serve, and thank you so much for ministering and singing to us this morning. Dan and Tina, it's so great to have you guys with us today. This is wonderful to have you here, and we'll look forward to having a little more time with you while you're home. And it's good to have all of you here today with us, and welcome to you. We are studying together. We've started a series from the book of Colossians, and we're going to continue our series today from Colossians. There's a, at our house, we have a dining room set, you know, China Closet and Buffet, that actually came with the house when my mother and father bought the house back in, I think it was 1949 or something. So it's been there for a long time. Uh, we, were, I was just, we were just talking the other day, I need to get busy and do a little uh, wood refinishing and so on, because it's, it's pretty old. And um, one of the drawers in the china closet, we call it, uh, is the drawer that we keep. We've always kept the children's uh, color books, miscellaneous stuff, and also there's little plastic things that hold markers and stuff, right? Those of you that are grandparents or parents have a drawer like that at your house, right? And there's nothing else in there valuable. It's just all art type stuff. And of course, uh, when the kids come and go and so forth, things get crammed in there. And there comes that time where it uh, won't open, right? Because well, usually it's because one of the plastic things is sticking up, holding the door closed. And I can remember uh, one time not too long ago, taking that door and, you know, it's got to open, you know, right? You have doors like that. You pull it and it won't open. You pull it and it won't open. Finally, I almost pulled the whole china closet over. So I thought, okay, there's got to be a better way to do this. You know, I didn't go to eight years of college for nothing. So I went and got a, a real flat piece of something, opened it up enough, got it in there, and lowered the thing and got it open. And I've had other drawers where I've done that, right? And what happens? The whole drawer just breaks off, okay? Uh, you finally get mad enough and you pull it and you got the drawer in your hand. Well, the reason that drawer doesn't um, is because in the old furniture, especially, I mean, still still today, but especially in the old days, I was glad to hear Dan talk about the, the later stages of their ministry. <laughs> you guys are really getting old, you know. Um, back in the old days when Dan was a kid, there was uh, most furniture made by hand had uh, what is known as uh, dovetail joints. Now, I'm not a carpenter. I could, some of you here that are would know more about this than I do. But a dovetail joint generally does not have any nails or screws. It's a dovetail. And they are cut, in the old days, cut by hand, and they fit together. What is a dovetail joint? A dovetail joint is exactly that. They're, they're cut, they're angled so that when they fit together, the pressure will be there that they will not come apart. And it is actually, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, carpenters, but when it comes to this type of uh, uh, design, it is the most, it is the strongest and most reliable design because of the way it is built. It is a dovetail design, and it fits together, and it joins together, and it stays together. And this is why you'll even see houses, the old uh, sometimes wood log cabin type homes with the with the planks built like that on the corners of the house because it fits and it joins together. We want to talk about that this morning, fitting and joining together 
as we continue our series from Colossians. Let's just pray briefly. Father, we ask your blessing on your word as we open it. May our hearts be open to your word today. And may our hearts be open to living according to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, Paul's epistle to the church at Colossae, one of his prison epistles, as he wrote this, we believe, from his Roman imprisonment as he is under house arrest. And we have this, this, this is a, a powerful passage of scripture. Now our, our theme for this series, just to remind you, is threefold. Encouraged in heart, united in love, and focused on knowing Christ. And I'm hoping by we get not too far into this that you can memorize this and keep this in front of you. Encouraged, say it with me. Encouraged in heart, united in love, knowing Christ. And today we really want to talk about knowing Christ. This is a powerful theological portion of scripture that, yes, it is, it is Christian doctrine that is so essential. This, this is the doctrine, the doctrine of who Christ is. That is the fault line between what we consider orthodox evangelical Christianity and many of the cults and groups over the centuries, going way back to the early days of the church in the fourth century, there was this huge split in the early Christian church over this very point. And it was so severe that even St. Jerome one day woke up and said, I, I woke up and I, I felt the whole world has gone Arian. The whole world has gone in the belief that Jesus is not fully God, that he was created by God. But during the councils, they got together and they worked out the language and, and, and wrestled over it. And, and, and the evangelical Christian faith prevailed in the evangelical church, the Orthodox Christian faith of who Christ is. And this is a powerful passage that needs to be understood. It's very important. So I'd like you to look at, we're going to look at verse 15. Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that everything, in everything, He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Boy, that is a powerful passage of Scripture. And of course, we cannot do it justice in one uh, sermon this morning, but we want to touch on it so at least you'll consider it and think about it. And I would like to bring some of the highlights uh, of this passage to you. Knowing Christ. Who is Christ? Who is He? This is our focus today. Who is Christ? Christ. We go back to verse to where we started here in verse 15. He is the image. He is the image of the invisible God. And later on, it talks about the fullness of God. When we think about that, how do you know a God who is invisible? How do you know a God? How do you see a God? You know, this is why uh, we were in an interesting conversation with um, our grandchildren here tonight, and one of our grandsons asking, "Oh, what what happened? Why did people?" 
early on go away from the belief of the one true God and begin worshiping idols and gods that aren't gods. And there's something about the idea of creating something physical, right? Something physical that, that you can look at, that you can see. In fact, one of the early claims against Christianity in their pagan world was that they were atheists. And the reason for that is they had nothing visible to represent their God. Every other religion has an idol. They had nothing to represent their God, so they have no God. This was an accusation that was leveled against the early church, the Christians in the early first century, in the second century. They're atheists. They have no God. Where is he? There's nothing to show. How do you, how do you see an invisible God? If you go home and look in the mirror, go look in the mirror, and what do you see? You see the image of yourself. You see the reflection of what is facing that mirror. God is invisible. No man has seen God. No woman has seen God. The Bible makes it clear. Or can see God and live. Jesus Christ, when He came to earth, the miracle of the incarnation, that God became flesh. And John looks back on it years later. He couldn't fully appreciate it when he was there. But he looks back after the resurrection. He looks back years later and he writes and says, we saw Him. We beheld Him. We touched Him. The one and only God Himself. Jesus Christ, when He came to earth, He became the physical representation to humanity of the invisible God. He is the image of God. And listen, friends, while He is no longer here physically in that sense, this is the way it's important I had to stop this week in the middle of my study and thinking about this. And just I, myself, you know, so often we get, you get so wrapped up you can't see the forest of the trees. And I just, I had to stop and go back and read the Gospel of John and just read through it to once again just remind myself of the reality of the story of Jesus Christ and the reality, the truth of it. And we can go back and read the Gospels. We can read the Apostles as they talk about the Lord and we can once again become reacquainted with that image of God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. And of course, it's this very phrase that raised so much controversy in the early church. Because if I talk to you about my firstborn, my firstborn is Sarah. And she was our firstborn of four children. Right away, what does it say to you? You're talking about somebody who was birthed, who wasn't there and became there. And so this very phrase was used to, to, to counter the idea that Christ is fully God, because obviously He was born, He was created at one time. And the, but the language here that comes from the Old Testament language, it speaks of position of authority. The first born, God says to Israel, back in Exodus chapter 4, Israel, is my firstborn. Israel was not birthed, but Israel was a people who were called into relationship with God and became that, that position of the firstborn in the, in the old, in the old world. And maybe I don't know, Dan still, maybe in the African culture, the firstborn is a very important thing. The firstborn male is a very important thing. And it's, and this is position of authority and this position of of recognition. And this is what the Bible is talking about, that he is the protocatus, proto meaning first, Takas, the firstborn. He is the one who has authority over all. He is God's firstborn. And so the early church and their language carefully crafted to, 
to say, you know, it's not easy, but to say exactly what you, what you want to say. And that, that Jesus Christ is eternally begotten of God. He is eternally, eternally begotten of God. There was never a time in which he was not. That was the language of the early church as they worked hard to, to counter Arianism. There was a, never a time in which he was not. He is the eternal firstborn begotten of the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, which right away tells you he was not created, right? Because he's over all creation. If he was created too, he would not be over all creation. Only God the Father would be. He is over all creation. And then I want you to notice what he says next. For by him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible, invisible. Thrones, powers, rulers, or these. All things were created by him and for him. Listen, as we read Genesis, and we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that's the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And apparently from Colossians, in that Trinity, it was Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity. And I, I hesitate sometimes when we use that language, second person of the Trinity, and right away we think of first, second, third. That is not the way to think of it. First, second, Third, they are all equal. What one is, the other is. They all, the language of the early church, that they carefully crafted to say exactly what they intended to say. They all share the same, those of you that had been in Bible instruction class, we studied this, essence or substance. They are all, what one is, the other one is. But they are distinct personas, personhoods. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are distinct personhoods, personas, but they all share the same essence or substance. And it appears from Colossians that when the, that Jesus Christ was the agent of creation. It says here, he created through him, the Godhead through Christ created all the universe, things that are seen and unthinged. We we talked this morning. Dan and Tina shared with the, the the you know this challenge of the spiritual warfare. All these authorities, all these angelic forces, those that are opposed to us today of Satan and those who will side with him were created by Christ. They were created by him. Yes, they left their first state and they fell, as it were. But he cre- he is over them. That's why, because he created. All of them. He is the creator. And then finally, this powerful statement here. I want you to notice what he says here. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. Verse 17. And look at this. In him all things hold together. I wish I wish we could have some more information on that. I think scientists wish they could have more information on this. Those who are physicists. Those who study physics talk about this idea. What What is it that holds the universe together? What is it that holds... Dave Ediger did a class for us, I think a year ago or so, where we really got in and really studied this. And I know some of you have really engaged in this. You, you read things like like in Life Live Science, which is like an online um, science magazine, if you will. 
Listen, listen to what it says. No matter how astrophysicists crunch the numbers, the universe simply doesn't add up. Even though gravity is pulling inward on space-time, that fabric of the cosmos, it keeps expanding outward faster and faster. And there is this hunt and this search for the particle, the force, the energy, the dark matter. What is it ultimately? The Bible tells us, but it doesn't give us the scientific details, if you will. Um, some of you have studied this more and it puts some of these pieces of the puzzle together. But in general, it says here, Jesus Christ is the sustainer of the universe. Jesus Christ is the sustainer. He is what holds the universe. He created it and He is what holds it together. Friends, this is a powerful statement of our Lord and Savior. Knowing Christ, who is He? He is the head, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body. Now this is a phrase that is distinctly in the Pauline epistles. It's the revelation that was given the Apostle Paul as he went out and was sent to the Gentile world. That Gentile world were Jews and Gentiles. Every place Paul went, where's the first stop he made? The synagogue. Because he would find people who believed in the one true God. They believed in the Scriptures. They were looking for the Messiah. There was common ground. And he would start there. In that Gentile world, it was for Jew and Gentile. It was for all people, all races, all ethnicities. Male or female. Slave or free. Jew or Gentile. And he went and he brought this message. And we read about in the Pauline epistles that Jesus Christ is the head of the body. This new people of God. This new entity of who we are today. We are not spiritualized Israel. We do not have the promises of, 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 of the land. We do, not have the, we do not have those promises. We're going to the land okay, in May. But, but we, that is not our hope that we are going to inherit this land. We are going to inherit the promises from the Old Testament physically. But we are the new people of God. We are the new entity of God. We are the new humanity. The church which is His body. And we do have our promises. And we do have our blessings. And we do have God's assurance and sustenance and provision. And we have the hope of salvation and the forgiveness of sins and the eternal Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And Christ is the head and we are the body. They are inseparable. He, he is in heaven at the right hand of the Father today. But He is here on earth. Whether it's here or in Tanzania, He is here in the body of Christ. That's who we are. You cannot separate, you, you can't imagine me as just a head talking here today. It's ludicrous. You cannot imagine me as a body walk around without a head. It doesn't work that way. We are connected so intricately with the Lord Jesus Christ and it is our call. And I really appreciate it, Dan and Tina, having them with us today and sharing in Sunday school. For those of you that weren't here, but they, and shared about their journey. It's all of our journeys. And, and, and the challenges, and I think back in those early years, we were there when Zambia ministry started, and, and I think, and you think back to the challenges, and the challenges that field has gone through, and yet look what's there today. There are leaders, African leaders, who are leading that work. Lives are being changed. It was worth it all. And, and, and God is at work. I think of our brother Bruce Kemper, who was called home to be with the Lord on Thursday, and I was just reflecting on this, Keith, and I was just trying to think, start thinking about the numbers. I mean, I don't know if thousands is enough of people who have been impacted by his life as 
youth pastor at this church when we started, pastoring churches in the West Coast, at Grace Bible College, all the students that came through there when he was the president of the college and have gone on to ministries not only in America but around the world and his own children and grandchildren. Incidentally, Naomi, um, the Capraris were made it back to, to Grand Rapids uh, safely and we praise the Lord for that so she can have her baby here um, and finish that term and then they'll go back to the field. Thousands of people impacted by one life. Because he was part of the body of Christ that was connected to the head. What a privilege. He is the body. We are the head. Paul makes this clear. This was part of the revelation given to Paul to share to the world. He is the head of the body. He is the firstborn. Next thing he says. We're still in verse 18. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything He would have the supremacy. He is the firstborn from the dead. The protococcus. There's that word again. There's that word again. He is the one who is the first in authority, the first in position. Paul says in Corinthians, He is the first fruits of all... We had a service yesterday for Eva Brown, 103 years and 361 days, I think. Almost 104 years old. Listen, friends, we have the hope of the resurrection. It doesn't matter how long we live or how short we live. We don't know. God knows. God knows when I would draw my first breath, November 25th, 1952, at 8.15 during I Love Lucy, according to my sister. He knows when I'm going to draw my last breath. Maybe it'll be during a rerun of I Love Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. I don't know. But God knows. But friends, do you really, really, really believe that you are going to see your loved ones again? Do you really believe that? Come on, do you believe that? That is our hope. Why? Because He is the protococcus, the first born. He is the first. Yes, Lazarus came back to life, but Lazarus died again. Yes, the little girl came back to life. Talithakumai, rise. She died again. He was the first to rise victorious and to conquer the bounds of death. And He has paved the way for you and I. And because of that, Bruce Kemper really didn't die on Thursday, as we talked about the service yesterday, Bruce died when he became a Christian because the Apostle Paul says that we died to our old self and became new to life when we became a believer in Jesus Christ. Bruce simply passed from this room to the next in that stage of his eternal life. That's our hope. Why? Because Christ rose firstborn from the dead and He is supreme Paul ends this by saying that he might have the... Listen, Tina says she likes superlatives. Are you getting the language here? How else can you say this? What else could Paul say? Many, Many look at this, by the way, and say this is an early Christian hymn because it has all the markings of a hymn, something you would sing in the early church. And there's kind of a controversy. Did Paul incorporate this early Christian hymn into his epistle? I happen to agree with those commentators and some good commentators who believe Paul could write a hymn. 
Paul was a very educated, he was a very gifted writer, he was a very smart man. These are, these are all Hebraic, Hebraic Jewish thoughts here. There's nothing in this passage that is outside Judaism and what they would, and, and this language, this all this, Proverbs talks about wisdom being the firstborn. This is language, these are words they knew. Paul could write a hymn. He probably wrote a lot of hymns. And this is something that the early church could have sung together. I wish we could have the music to it. It has that flow to it. It's building and building and building to this apex of what, what he has to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, that the complete fullness, look at verse 19. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness, all of the deity in Jesus Christ, to dwell in him. And this is language from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when they built the tabernacle, when Solomon built his temple and the presence of God filled and dwelt in that temple, and Solomon was careful to say, we know, God, that this building cannot hold you. You dwell, but you do dwell here. He was in their midst. And God in Jesus Christ dwelt, as John says, he dwelt, he tabernacled, he pitched his tent. He was here. He dwelt among us. And he has said that Christ is the head of the body, which means that we dwell in Jesus Christ and all the fullness of God dwells in him. And then we come to the really the, the, the completion, the, the, where, where Paul is moving with this. Look what he says. And through him. Now we're talking about God now. Notice that it is God was pleased to do this. And that God, the Godhead, had decided through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Reconciliation. Reconciliation in the Bible it speaks to this. It's really it's, it's, it's twofold. First, it, it, it talks about the fact that there is estrangement. There is estrangement. Two parties are, are not together. They have they've gone. But in this case, it is it is we who went our way. Who went looking for who? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, who went looking for who? Who was hiding? It was God who went looking. Why are you hiding, Adam? What's happened? We went away from God. And it was God who took the initiative. It was God who took the initiative to come back. To bring us back. Reconciliation. And this is why the cross of Calvary, this is why the empty cross is here, and why in the Protestant faith it's the empty cross. To remind us that it was at the cross of Jesus Christ where the power of sin was broken when he was placed in the grave and rose from the dead and his blood shed for us that God is reconciling all things to himself. Now, this is a, this is an important discussion too. We don't at our church, we don't teach what's known as universal reconciliation, meaning that we don't teach that this means that in the end everybody is going to be saved who rejects Christ in this lifetime. The Bible makes it clear that those no one spoke about this more than Christ. That at the judgment, those who reject will be lost. But it does mean that at some point, even that story, it's all going to find its completion and fulfillment under Christ. God is doing this through Christ, and all things are going to reach the finality under Christ that God has planned. In Christ, all things are fitting together. Listen, this is what we're talking about. 
This is where he's moving with this passage. All these superlatives, all these amazing things that Paul is just building, building. No wonder it's a hymn. That it all reached its conclusion that everything will find its place. Every tongue will confess. Every tongue. It all fits together. You know, how is God accomplishing this? Look what he says here. The last thing he says. He is making peace, shalom. What? Through his blood shed on the cross. This is where this whole story is moving. He's the image of the invisible God. He created this universe. John says he came into his own and his own received him not. But to those who did, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. It all finds its place at the cross of Calvary. This is the critical point in history. At the cross of Calvary, where through his blood shed on the cross, God brought finally peace. Peace. Shalom. And is reconciling all things to himself. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2. In him, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And we're joined together there. If we could use the word, in some of the translations, use the word fitted together. He's talking about the church here. That this building that is rising together, that this church, this building that is rising together, the church, the body of Christ, is being fit together, joined together, and is growing, and is, this is language of building. And you know, um, this, this, uh, this, let's go back here. This, this picture here, you can't see it too well, but this is a house. This is a wood building. And if you look carefully in the corners, you will see it is dovetail construction. Those timbers are joined together in dovetail construction. Just like the drawer in my house that almost brought the whole china closet down. It's strong. It fits perfectly together. It is the most reliable it is, it is a building construction that was used by the pharaohs, by the ancient Chinese. It's been around for a long time because it is so dependable. It is so strong. It is so secure. It fits together. And listen, what does he say? We, the church, the body of Christ, we are fit together. We are growing. Whether we're in Tanzania or Zambia or the Philippines or South America, Bolivia, Curacao, the United States, Mexico, Canada. We are all one church, ultimately the body of Christ. And it is a building that is growing. It is being fit together. Listen, friends, this whole point of God's reconciliation. Let me go back to this. We're talking about knowing Christ today. But it's the knowing Christ that has united us in love. It's united us in love. And listen, we are... The example. We are the first fruits. Christ is the first fruit that rose from the dead. He has called us as a church. The church, the body of Christ. Whether it's here in Shoreline. Or in Oringa. Or anywhere in the world. He has called us to be a living. Growing. Fit together. Example. Of what it means. To be reconciled. And have peace with God. And friends, that really is important in how we live and how, 
how we are united, united, united in love. Now, we're in an era now where there's a lot of division we know in our country. We know there's a lot of division in politics, a lot of division in the world. Please, friends, don't let those things become the forefront of what the church to divide us. We can have our opinions. We live in a free country. We live in a democracy. We have our opinions. We can express those opinions. But let's never, as Christians, let that take place of the united in love and reconciliation that we are building together as a show and example to our world of what God can do through the power of Jesus Christ. Begin in your own family. Begin with those closest to you. Not for the world, but for you and your family. Begin in your neighborhood. Begin in this church body. Let's be united in love and in purpose. We can have our different opinions, and we have our opinions. Everything from music to decoration to building to how we run things to menus, you name it. (laughs) We have our different opinions. That's fine. As long as ultimately we are united in love and we are like that building of dovetail construction that fits together, that God is building and God is growing because of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, the Creator and Sustainer of the universe, the Head of the Church, which is His body. Listen, friends, we ought to be uplifted. We ought to be rejoicing in what God has called us to and what God has put in our hands to serve Him in love and in reconciliation and in joy in this week to come. We're going to close our service. Gary, come on up and lead us in our closing hymn. Will you stand with us? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Listen. Uh, we announced that the service for uh, Brother Bruce Kemper is Friday. It's Saturday. It's Saturday morning at uh, Grace Bible Church in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Pastor Josh White will be leading the service. The people traveling from all over the country will be there. So then Keith and Kim will be going, of course, down. So continue to pray uh, for that and just for God's comfort blessing, but also that the Lord's name will just be powerfully lifted up and encouraged during this service. I'm gonna, hey, Dan and Tina, can you guys come up here? Let's have a word of dedication prayer. They're at another crossroads in their ministry as he shared in Sunday school this morning the new organization they'll be looking to go out under doing the same work but uh, they, they've just been such an important part of our church family we love you guys so much and uh, I just so many of us have been to Africa and worked alongside of you and uh, I don't know about I don't know about you but it, you know if you if you work you probably have dreams every so often about how things go wrong you ever have those dreams in your field your occupation you ever like dream falling off lateral or something like that you know you know pastors have these dreams you know, and it's always something goes wrong Sunday morning. And it just occurred to me as I was singing this last song, I dreamt last night, now this is serious. I mean, this is true. It's not serious. It's true. I dreamt last night. It came time to introduce Dan. And I called on Kevin because he was supposed to, according to the sheet, he was supposed to introduce him. He knew nothing about it. He showed up in his basketball shorts and T-shirt, came up front and looked at me like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I looked at him and neither one of us can remember your name. <laughs> really, that happened. I can understand Kevin not doing that, but I couldn't even remember his name. <laughs> so, man, I was glad to see you today, and I was glad I remembered you, and I saw Kevin remembered you when you came in. Uh, that's good. 
God bless you guys. We're we're just we're uh, we're just pleased to be a part of your ministry in your life and, and to hear Tina talk about it. this is her home church. Of all the churches and all the ministries, there's a special place. I don't know about you, there's a special place about your home church. And I want to say a word of prayer and blessing and dedicate them. And then you visit with them afterward. They'll be in the northwest area for another month here. And uh, we look forward to seeing them and, uh, and just continuing to bless their ministry. Heavenly Father, we lift this dear family up to you. We love them. Uh, we just think back of the years of service. And uh, so many of us, Lord, have, have been to Africa and worked alongside them. Uh, teaching, leading, building, just ministering, Lord, and uh, uh, we, we prayed for them. And uh, we know that uh, even in the loss of our dear brother Cliff recently and uh, you know, their dear father, uh, and yet, Lord, uh, you're a blessing. And we thank you for the words of encouragement, of honesty, and, and to, to share their journey because it's all of our journeys. And, Lord, uh, it's, part, it's that journey. It's that journey that leaves footprints that uh, continue. And we think of the, this, the people that are serving, that are loving. That are, we, think, we think of our brothers and sisters. I think especially of our pastors and leaders in Africa, Lord, that they shared about today. Uh, we got to know them. And Lord, uh, we many of them working in very difficult situations, real just poverty as they shared this morning. And yet, Lord, their courage, their willingness, their joy, and uh, for all of us that have experienced that, the one word that comes back with us is joy. And Father, we pray your joy upon Dan and Tina and their children. We pray your blessing. We pray your powerful hand of blessing that you will lift up their ministry as not for them or for us or for anybody else, but for your name. And to that we give them to you and ask your blessing upon them. In Christ our Savior's name, all God's people can say it together. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you, sir.